You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. And before we get started today, college football is right around the corner and the Locked On Network has you covered. Got the Locked On Pac-12, Locked On SEC, Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big 12, Locked On ACC, all of those podcasts waiting for you. There's no better place to get your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Monday, July 12th, and Chet Holmgren is an MVP, world champion, gold medalist. And if that's any indication of things to come for his time at Gonzaga, then things are looking very, very bright. Today on the show, we are talking all things FIBA U19 World Cup. The United States had two really fun and really challenging games against Canada and France this weekend. To secure their gold medal, so we're going to break those two games down, give you Chet Holmgren's final stats from the tournament, and take a look at a couple other relevant players that played in the event. And then we're going to finish the show today talking about Gonzaga's ESPY award that they won on Saturday night for best game of the year in sports. And in honor of that, I've decided that I am going to make my Mount Rushmore of best Gonzaga games of all time. Before we get to all of that, a reminder that the schedule this week is going to be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday for the podcast. Four episodes this week with an off day on Wednesday. Tuesday and Thursday's show, we're going to start a What If series. And tomorrow's episode is going to be What If Josh Perkins Never Got Kicked in the Jaw. Tune in tomorrow to find out where that takes us. The U19 World Cup and the ESPY Award were obviously the two huge things that stood out this weekend in Gonzaga's world. But here's a couple other pieces of news for you that you may have missed over the last couple of days. And we'll start with Courtney Vandersloot because she broke yet another WNBA record on Saturday. She had 13 points and 15 assists in an overtime loss to Washington. But those 15 assists were the 65th time in her career that she's racked up double-digit assists. And that breaks the previous record of 64. She already owns the league record for most assists in a season set in 2019 and 9.1 a game and 300 overall total. Uh, And then she also owns the highest assist per game total for a career in WNBA history right now at six and a half. So another broken record for Courtney Vandersloot. Shout out to Courtney Vandersloot. Couple pieces of recruiting news. There's been a bunch of tournaments the last two weekends that uh, coaches have been out and seeing. And the class of 2022 is starting to uh, come a little bit clearer for a lot of schools. And the two names um, that actually talked about Gonzaga this past weekend Johan Traore and AJ Casey. And let's start with AJ Casey because he's been a name that Gonzaga's been on for a while. He's a six foot eight. Uh, probably a stretch four more than anything else. Six foot eight, he's from Chicago. And this is what he had to say about Gonzaga when talking to 247 Sports this past weekend. He said, quote, Roger Powell has been recruiting me for the most part. They are an intriguing school. They are always in the final four. They play through their four men. I love everything about their program. And then Johan Traore is more of a uh, more of a center than he is as a four man. He's six foot ten. He's from Napa, California, 
plays at Prolific Prep, and he had uh, a really, really good uh, tournament down in Birmingham, Alabama this past weekend. And this is what he had to say about Gonzaga, who's starting to recruit him a lot more now. He said, quote, what stands out the most about their program is their pro-style offense that they run. They will give me the opportunity to play inside while also allowing me to play outside as well. It's interesting to note that both of these are big men, and I think that is where Gonzaga is going to look more than anything else in the class of 2022 is uh, in their front court because they're going to lose Drew Timmy, they're going to lose Chet Holmgren, and it's basically just Ben Gregg and Caden Perry in that front court, and they need to restock. So uh, Johan Traore, AJ Casey, both two names to watch in the class of 20, uh, 2022. Traore is ranked 72 nationally by 24-7 sports, and AJ Casey is ranked 58 nationally in 24-7 sports. Those are the two guys that I would watch uh, on the interior. Anthony Black, who we've talked about the last couple of weeks, is the guard right now that I would watch. And then there's some others that are lurking in the background that if they start to become bigger names, obviously we will talk about them here on the podcast. And then the last thing here is that the MLB draft is going to continue today with rounds 2 through 10 and then finish up tomorrow with rounds 11 through 20. Round one took place last night. Obviously, no Gonzaga players taken in round one, but you could see possibly starting today uh, in those rounds six through 10, possibly some Gonzaga names called, but more likely tomorrow in rounds 11 11 through 20. So we'll keep an eye out on that. Okay, coming up, we wrap up the U19 FIBA World Cup and talk about the United States gold medal run. Chet Holmgren was named the MVP of the event. And his coach, Jamie Dixon, had some really encouraging words regarding his seven-footer. So we'll tell you what those are here in just a second. But first, today's episode is being sponsored by Made in Cookware. If quality and craftsmanship is important to you, you should check out Made in. Made in is a cookware and kitchenware brand that works with renowned chefs and artisans to produce some of the world's best pots, pans, knives, and wine glasses. Made in produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have 28,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin Star Restaurants. Right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code LOCKEDON. This is the best discount anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware slash LOCKEDON and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash LOCKEDON. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, let's talk about Chet Holmgren and the FIBA U19 World Cup. The United States brings home a gold medal And Chet Holmgren was named the MVP of the event. And I mentioned last week and leading up to this tournament that the the game that could happen between the United States and Canada would probably be the best game of the tournament. And up until that point, it probably was. Uh, Those two teams played a really good game. I was probably outdone by the championship because the United States-France game on Sunday was absolutely fantastic. So let's go through both of those. First, let's talk about the semifinal game, United States against Canada. Uh, The United States basically held anywhere between a a two to an eight-point lead for the majority of the first half um, and then into the third quarter. Canada cut the lead to one at one point, uh, went on a big run in the third quarter, cut the lead to one, and then the United States would respond 
by going on a, a mini run to stretch the lead back out to eight, nine, maybe ten points. And then Canada would strike back again at the start of the fourth quarter with another run. Uh, they would hit a three to cut the lead to another one-possession game, but Canada just could not get the one stop and score that they needed to either tie or take the lead in that game. They never held the lead uh, after the first few seconds. And then the United States went on a defining, uh, I think it was a 17-0 run about midway through the fourth quarter uh, that kind of uh, pulled them away a little bit, and then they ended up holding on 92-86 to to win that semifinal game. Chet Holmgren had 12 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 blocks. And he had another one of his kind of three-minute takeovers, which he did pretty much in every single, all seven of these games, he would take over for about a two- to five-minute stretch and kind of show that he is, you know, one of the best prospects in the nation. And uh, the, the one that he did against Canada, there was a guy who tried to do a, tried to drive into him, didn't work, tried to do a uh, turnaround fadeaway, did not work. Chet blocked that, grabbed the ball, brought it up the court, had a behind-the-back pass to a teammate who gave it back to him for a dunk. And then uh, right back down the court again, he came over from the weak side and blocked seven foot two Zach Eady's shot at the rim. So it was about a 20-second stretch where he had a block, behind-the-back pass, dunk, and then another block. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff that Chet Holmgren had been doing pretty much the entire tournament. And then against France... Uh, in the championship game, he had a fantastic first three minutes. He had five points, uh, was probably the best player on the uh, on the court in those first three minutes of the game. And then he was just super, super quiet until the start of the fourth quarter. He, um, you know, he, he makes a difference when he's on the court, especially defensively, because teams have to kind of alter what they do. But offensively, he was basically invisible uh, from the final, first three minutes of the first quarter until the start of the fourth. But then he has, he basically spearheaded the United States 11-0 run that pretty much changed the game. France was the better team for, I would say, three to three and a half quarters in that game. Uh, but the U.S. got a couple late shots that gave them the victory. But Chet Holmgren was the reason why they started that 11-0 run because he forced two fouls on Victor Wembanyama to get him his third and fourth fouls of the game, which was absolutely massive. Sent him to the bench. He went three for four from the line on those two fouls, and then he had a nice reverse layup. Uh, on the next possession after he was out of the game. So he had five straight points for the U.S., and then he basically defended, it seemed like, every single shot on the other end of the court. So like I said, he kind of spearheaded that run, sent Victor Wembanyama to the bench, which was huge for the U.S. to go on that run, take the lead, uh, and it was a lead that they held on to until the end of the game. They won the gold medal, beating France 83-81. to Jed Holmgren finished the championship game with 10 points and five assists. Uh, but only two rebounds and no blocks. And I believe it was the only time in this tournament where he had no blocks. Uh, but the reason they won that game was because of Kenny Lofton Jr. And he was absolutely phenomenal. He was the best player on the court for uh, the United States, especially in that second half. He finished with a team-high 16 points and seven rebounds. They went to him consistently in that second half. Chet Holmgren had a couple really nice high-low passes to him. And that's what Chet Holmgren did a lot of in this tournament. Now, I kind of talk about him overall and my thoughts on him throughout these seven games in a second but his passing ability which I've mentioned before was really impressive and now I just want to mention and give a shout out to Victor Wembanyama if you guys have never watched him play uh, and this was the first time that you watched him the kid is he's basically an alien you call Chad Holmgren a unicorn I'll call this kid an alien he's seven foot two he's only 17 years old he's arguably the top prospect regardless of class in the entire world right now 
uh, maybe right up there with Imani Bates. Uh, but he was absolutely fantastic. He was, when he was on the court, he was the best player on the floor. He finished with 22 points, eight rebounds, and eight blocks, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but the problem with him is that he is getting in foul trouble a ton. He sat pretty much three quarters of the game in the semifinals against Serbia because he was in foul trouble, ended up fouling out. And then in this game again, he ended up fouling out. Chet Holmgren got two fouls on him uh, early in the fourth quarter. And then he came back in with about four-ish minutes left and he immediately picked up his fifth foul. And all of them were pretty obvious fouls. None of them were really, you know, ticky-tack stuff. So if he gets his foul trouble problems in check, he's going to be an absolutely phenomenal player. Um, And I can't wait to see uh, where his career goes. So despite the fairly quiet championship game, Chet Holmgren does take home the MVP of the U19 World Cup because of his full body of work. Uh, honestly, Kenny Lofton made a very, very good case uh, to win the MVP, but they gave it to Chet Holmgren. He finished the tournament averaging 11.9 points, which was third on the U.S. team, a team-high 6.1 rebounds, 3.3 assists, and 2.7 blocks. Those 2.7 blocks were third in the tournament. He shot 65% inside the arc. He was 7 for 13 outside the arc, and then he shot 14 for 21 from the foul line. He only turned the ball over 10 times. He had 23 assists to 10 turnovers and 19 block shots, and you'll take that every day of the week. just want to give some overall thoughts that I saw from Chet Holmgren in these seven games that I watched from him. He's just very, very unselfish, and he really is kind of the epitome of a zag already. He's unselfish, um, very much like Jalen Suggs, but when he needs to turn it on, he can turn it on. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in at Gonzaga. I think kind of how I saw him as a player was more or less solidified while watching him in this tournament against some of the, the world's best competition at his age level. He is a game changer defensively, and there's absolutely no question about that. He's going to be one of the best defensive players that Gonzaga has ever seen uh, in terms of impact. Um, he might bl- break Brandon Clark's uh, shot block record, but his just his his presence uh, defensively, he's a fantastic team defender, but he's also a great individual defender, and his length um, can cause problems on closeouts. And then if he does get beat off the bounce, his closing speed is so good because of his length uh, and his strides um, that he can get back to and block shots if he has to at the rim. So his defensive impact is, is going to be fantastic. Offensively, the kid can shoot the ball. I think that's pretty obvious. He had multiple four-point plays. He shot seven for 13. That means 54% from deep. He's a great perimeter shooter, um, and he's a decent shooter off the bounce for the most part. I'm still not sold on him being like an individual shot creator. Um I don't, I don't know where exactly Gonzaga is going to use him in their system. Is he going to be a screener? If he Is he going to have the ball in his, in his hands coming off of ball screens? Uh, I think it's going to end up being a combination of both. I think they could use him essentially in Corey Kispert's role when he was a small ball four last year. I think that's what you'll see a lot from him um, this coming season. He'll run the court a lot, play a lot in the perimeter, but they use Corey Kispert as a screener. Um, you know, sometimes. So I think you'll see that from Chet Holmgren a lot. You'll see a ton of high-low passing uh, with Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, and then also Anton Watson and Chet Holmgren when those two guys are on the court. So uh, his passing impressed me more than anything else. His shooting, I already knew who he was good at, but I'm still not sold quite yet on him being like an individual driver and shot creator. Um, so 
We'll see how he does at Gonzaga. I, I'm not expecting him to be, and I don't think anybody should, should expect him to be like a 20-point score. I think he's going to get you 12 to 18 every night um, with you know double-digit rebounds and a few blocks. Basically what Brandon Clark did uh, and that kind of impact. But he's going to have these games where he has 25 points, 14 rebounds, 8 blocks, and 6 assists. Like He's going to flirt one of these games with a quadruple double uh, and you're going to look up and just be in awe of some of the stuff that he does. Jamie Dixon, the head coach for uh, the U19 World Cup team, said this about Chet Holmgren. He said, quote, his leadership was huge all the way through. He was a great teammate, good understanding of the game. He is a really special kid. He's unselfish. He loves passing and he loves playing defense and he plays hard all the time. He practices hard and he plays hard. He's good for a lot of reasons. I think the most interesting thing uh, while looking at all these stats is that Chet Holmgren led the United States in minutes played. And so Jamie Dixon knew what he had in this kid. And with all these other superstars, Chet Holmgren was the one who played the most. And they had a lot of really talented big men on this team. So I think that says something about Chet. Three other players I want to mention uh, that are notable in this tournament. Number one is Omar Ballo. Mali finished in 13th place in the tournament. Omar Ballo finished with 12.6 points. 8.9 rebounds and 2.9 block shots. He shot 52% from the field. Second player is Augustus Marcellonis. He is going to be a freshman at St. Mary's. Lithuania finished in 6th place of the tournament. Marcellonis averaged 8 points, a team high, 4.7 assists, and 3.3 rebounds in the tournament. Then the last guy I want to point out here is Ryan Nemhart, the little brother of Gonzaga's Andrew Nemhart, because he was absolutely fantastic against the United States. And then he was even better in the third place game against Serbia. He finished the tournament averaging 15.1 points, 3.7 rebounds, and a tournament high 6.7 assists. Uh, against the United States, he had 18 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. And then in Serbia in the third place game, he had 21 points and 10 assists. He's going to Creighton, and he's going to play right away. And I was very, very impressed with Ryan Nemhart. so shout out to him. All right, that's enough FIBA World Cup stuff. Coming up to finish the show, we're talking great games in Gonzaga history. Gonzaga won an ESPY on Saturday night for the best game of the year in all of sports. So that made me wonder, what are the best games in Gonzaga history? Why not do a Mount Rushmore of what I think the four best ones are? So that, my friends, is what we are going to do. But before we get to that, of course, today's episode is sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure which flavor you want, and right now there are a bunch of them, you can try a mixed box of multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, so in case you missed it, Gonzaga and UCLA won an SB on Saturday night for the best game in sports over the last year, which is very much well-deserved. Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy were in attendance. They got to speak a little bit, and Drew Timmy made a joke said, uh, basically, if you guys want to run this game back next year, you know, Jalen Suggs is gone, but I've been working on my full court heave, so we should be able to run this thing back. So uh, if that's foreshadowing a little bit, uh, hopefully Gonzaga and UCLA can play again this coming season. 
So in honor of last year's award-winning game, I thought to myself, what are the four best games in Gonzaga history? Why not do a Mount Rushmore of them? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose the four best games in my mind in Gonzaga history, and that means like actual high-quality basketball, back-and-forth, elite shot-making, um, you know, like the Gonzaga-West Virginia game in 2017, one of the most iconic moments in Gonzaga history. That game sucked. Like, it was an absolute grinder. Uh, it was a defensive battle, low scoring. It's not something that you would want to go back and watch because it wasn't highly entertaining. It was just a grinded-out, physical, punch-you-in-the-face kind of game. I'm talking up-tempo, high-scoring, um, you know, back-and-forth kind of stuff. Basically, the Gonzaga-UCLA game. And that is absolutely the number one game on this Mount Rushmore. Gonzaga-UCLA. Um, Gonzaga, obviously, undefeated. UCLA had one of the best. I th- statistically, it was the best mid-range shooting game of the last 10 seasons in the NCAA tournament. They did not miss, no matter who it was. They had their 6'11 center, Cody Riley, stepping out and hit contested 14 jump, uh, 14 foot jumpers. It was absolutely ridiculous. And then, of course, Jalen Suggs hit the biggest shot in Gonzaga history. So that is absolutely on the Mount Rushmore. The three other games that I decided to choose, and boy, oh boy, are there a lot of honorable mentions, but I'm going with Gonzaga and Duke, the championship game in Maui, because that hype for that Duke team was insane, and then Gonzaga came out, and they took it to them by playing one of the most efficient offensive games I have ever seen from them. They shot 53% from the field. They only turned the ball over 11 times, and against that Duke team who thrived off of turnovers, that 11 is pretty dang good. Uh, Rui Hachimura outplayed, for the most part, uh, Zion Williamson. He had 20 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 blocks. One of his best performances as a Zag. Zach Norvell was absolutely fantastic in that game. His up and under uh, is still engraved in my mind, so... Um, That win over an undefeated Duke team that everybody thought would go undefeated and be one of the best teams in NCAA history. Gonzaga beat them two weeks into the season was absolutely incredible. And then another Maui game. You've got to go to Gonzaga, Michigan State in 2005. The Adam Morrison triple overtime thriller against the Spartans. 43 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. He was 14 of 28 from the field. He played 52 minutes in that game. Derek Rivio with 26 points. J.P. Batista with 22. And then Maurice Ager on the other side. Those two, Morrison and Ager, went back and forth pretty much for all of the overtimes. Ager finished with 36. Paul Davis, the big boy from Michigan State, finished with 26 points and 13 rebounds. That entire game is still on YouTube. If you guys want to go back and watch it, just type in Gonzaga, Michigan State, Maui 2005, and you'll be able to watch that whole thing. That game is absolute high quality, and I think it's one of the best four in Gonzaga history in terms of um, that measurement. And then the fourth one, I'm giving it to Gonzaga, Arizona in the 2003 NCAA tournament. The heavily favored number one seed Arizona Wildcats going against uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs in the second round. I like to call this the Tony Skinner game. Best game of his life. He was the best player on the court for like 30 minutes in this game. He was 5 for 11 from deep. He led Gonzaga with 25 points in 50 minutes. And then Richard Fox was absolutely phenomenal off the bench. Uh, And they were just one Blake step wide open runner away from pulling off an absolutely remarkable upset. Um, but that game was just incredible. Again, that game also on YouTube, if you want to go back and watch it. But that Arizona team, Luke Walton, Channing Fry, Salim Stoudemire, Andre Godala coming off the bench, one of the, one of the great 
Arizona teams in history, and Gonzaga was one, one shot away from beating them. But again, a super high-quality basketball game, and obviously given the stakes, uh, that amped it up a little bit more. So those are the four best games, in my mind, in Gonzaga history uh, in terms of pure entertainment and high-quality basketball. Gonzaga-UCLA. 2021 NCAA tournament, Gonzaga Duke in the 2018 Maui Championship, Gonzaga Michigan State, triple overtime thriller in the 2005 Maui Championship, actually the semifinal game. They went on to play UConn in the championship. And then the Gonzaga Arizona double overtime thriller in the 2003 NCAA tournament. Tons of honorable mentions. I'm sure you guys know all of them. You can name a bunch of them off the top of your head. What is your Mount Rushmore of great Gonzaga games? Go ahead. I'll, I'll tweet the question out as well. Well, feel free to tweet me your Mount Rushmore top four Gonzaga games of all time. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow to start a what if series that will go probably two or three weeks. And we're talking about the domino effect of Josh Perkins getting kicked in the jaw two weeks into his freshman season. If you have a great what if that you want me to dive into, please send me a message and I will choose a couple of them. Don't forget to tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today they're talking about if Giannis can single-handedly win this series for the Milwaukee Bucks. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Zags. Please give us a five-star rating, if you will. Follow me on Twitter at Escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with a what if, if you want to email the show with a Gonzaga story, or if you have any other questions or ideas you want me to talk about, feel free to do so. The email is LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.